welcome to a American Freedom Podcast with your host, Ari Mack, live from his travel studio somewhere in Vermont. Ari Mack is, this is the final podcast of season one, but we have an amazing season two for you. As we close out season one, today is the anniversary of season one of American Freedom. We're going to be telling you what exactly is coming for you in season two. In today's episode, we're going. In today's episode, we're going to speak about the election and a lot more on today, including the student loan that recently was passed, or on today's podcast. So, enjoy. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Aaron Mac. Today. As we covered the election, um, we just got some breaking news about the um, Mar-a-Lago affidavit. I was just watching some of this news that was um, coming in from Newsmax, um, and it was very interesting, very interesting. It's a 38 um, page affidavit, we did not see it yet, but I will see it, let's go to our, our, um, election desk, here we go, um, with the elections in Oklahoma Senate runoff, um, results is the Senate, Senator Horn has won, um, versus Bollinger, um, 99% was in. Uh, That was the runoff for Senate in um, Oklahoma. And also this week is Oklahoma's Senate in the um, GOP. Mullen has won. That was a runoff. Um, That was the special runoff. The House special in Oklahoma. Burke. Um, Brenchin. Um, New York. Here we go. House is House 3 verse, um, through 26. Zimmerman, Gellin, Valenquist, Jeffries, Goldman, Rose, Nadler, um, Asplat, Bowman, Maloney, Ryan, um, Riley, Tonko, Castelli, Canal, and Higgins. That's all the Democrats that are in New York House. Um, 
I did not see Cortez, Alexander Oscar Cortez, on the list. No. Maybe she's a representative. Um, yeah, she is a representative, but um, I guess her seat is not up yet. Um, in the GOP race, House 1 through 24, House 1, Lalula, La Loda, 2 is Gabriel, 3 is Melostakos, uh, 14, no, uh, that's District 11 is Melostakos. Uh, 14 is 40. Um, 17 is Lalor. 22 is Williams. 23 is Longworthy. And 24 is Teeny. That's New York. Um, their house special is one Democrat seat and one GOP seat, which is Ryan and Spelowski. Uh, I can't say these names properly. I guess that's that. Um, Senate in Florida, Demings. Um, and the House race. Here we go. Um, 1 through 28, Democrats. Jones is 1, 3 is Hawk, 4 is, um, that's a close race. I'm not sure. We'll call 4 a too early to call, I would say, under our desk. Um, 7 is Green. Eight is Terry. Frost is ten. Castor is fourteen. Cone is fifteen. Uh, Twenty is M McCormick. Miss Mas Moskowitz is uh, twenty-three. Wilson is twenty-four. Uh, Schultz is twenty-five. Tato is twenty-seven, and Asto is 28. Now in the GOP, Matt Gates has won his seat. He's district number one. Kamak is three. Bean is four. Rutherford is, uh, Rutherford is five. Waltz is six. Seven is Miltz. Moore is nine. Wimbish is ten. Webster is eleven. Bilbrooks is 12, Luna is 13, Judge is 14, Lee is uh, 15, Bucknan is, is 16, Franklin is 18, Donalds is 19, Mast is 21, um, again 22, is still too early to call. Bud is 23, Navarro is 
24, spad spadalug is 25, barrel is 26, salazer is 27, gimmins Gimmes is 28. Now they're governors. Governor DeSantis has um, won his spot. Governor um, versus Charles Christ. Uh, Nikki Freed has had 35.3 points. Danielle had 2.5. Wills had 2.4. Charles Christ um, in the um, in the Baker area. He got most of Baker, and Nikki Freed got the Alocha area. Um, in the Bay area, Nikki Freed got it. Bradford, um, and on. Until Walton. Um, he got most of Florida. Until Walton. Walton was for Nikki Freed, 48.7. Washington was to um, Charles Christ. The biggest um, vote was 70.4% was Pinellas. Um, let's see Miami. Miami Dade was 62.1. Broward County was 63.4, but Charles Christ has won. Pretty good. And he's facing uh, GOP member uh, Ron DeSantis. Next, um, for the Attorney General, Ayala. Ayla, or as we say, Ayla. Um, she won Alocha. Oh, he sh she was facing Lewis, Democrat. Um, he got a lot, he got a few, 29.26.9%. She got 44.9%. And... Um, this guy named Altfelder, he got a few also. Alright, that's the, is that all we got today? Alright, the next, um, election is Massachusetts, and then which is House Governor and South Sec Secretary of State, Attorney General, Lieutenant Governor, and then that's September 6th. Next one after that is um, our current president's favorite state, Delaware. Um, that's on the September 13th. And in New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and Louisiana um, is November 8th. And their general election, by the way, um, just to tell everyone, Louisiana's general election will be December 16th. So, everything is in December 16th. Alright, so that's the 
um, election story. So, on on t today, in a few a few minutes ago, the um, affidavit for the uh, Mar-a-Lago was ridiculed, um, which means was was um, released was ridiculed. Uh, Mar-a-Lago search at affidavit was released. Um, the affidavit for a search warrant. Um, that resulted the FBI of the former president, Mar-a-Lago residence, was released to the public in a heavily rudicated form, which is a 38-page, I'm not sure, I don't, I don't know where I could get it, but if someone can tell me where to find it, they, go, um, it, they say, I was watching um, Newsmax, um, on this, and they said it was a 38-page, um, affidavit. The government is conducting a criminal investigation concerning improper removal and storage of classified information, unauthorized spaces, as well as unlawful concealment, um, or removal of governmental records, the affidavit begins. The affidavit contains heavy reductions, uh, with nearly half of the document being uh, blacked out. That's crazy. After intentional review, initial review, NRA, NARA, um, is investigating this also. This whole thing is um, crazy. Folks, if you want to read this, it's a whole 38-page thing. Jack Pasolik posted it on his uh, True Social, and it's it's a, it's a really, really crazy. It's really crazy. The fundamental misunderstandings of the U.S. law. It's really nuts. Breaking news, a federal judge has ruled that Texas cannot prohibit 18 through 20 year olds from carrying a handgun in public. The law of Texas it prevents 18 to 20 from getting the license to carry a handgun or carrying a handgun self-defense outside their home the Texas Tribune reported. Listen, the, um, we we have everyone has a right. Everyone has a right to do it. All right, I'm back to this whole um, FBI situation with um, with the Justice Department on Mar-a-Lago. It was partially blacked out document explaining justification. FBI search of the Mar-a-Lago, um, though the Justice Department officially were expected to, ha to have removed sensitive details about the witness scope um, and direction probe. The affidavit David may offer fullest description. So basically, we're we're here. Um, Reinhardt 
also ordered the release of documents related to request um, ridicate um, the affidavit, which would explain reasons for blocking out parts of the affidavit. So basically, the FBI decided, hey, we're not, we're not information about the um, why we went in. Basically, the government is conducting the criminal investigation improper. Basically, they didn't want you to know. They don't want you to know what is happening. Exactly. It's a whole 38 page with blank, blacked out. And I'm like, why are they blacking out this? It's not proper, folks. It's not. It's not plop. Um, it's, it's a whole show. It's a whole Jack Bleep show on Trump. Yes, that's what I have to say. It's a whole show. And it's not proper. Oh, man. And I was watching it. I was like, what the heck? Um, that was one thing. And then the student loan stuff we're going to talk about in a few minutes. But let's go to our um, New Jersey news. New Jersey vowed to cut pension ties to Russia nearly six months ago. It hasn't happened yet. When Russian Vladimir Putin marched the troops in Ukraine, by the way, it's about almost six months already. It's 182 days as of today. As of today, it's 183 days. Uh, I look at the clock. Um, when Newsmax um hosts uh, the prime time show, they speak. We were speaking about um Ukraine last night, and they have a clock that says days that. Um, Ukraine started with war and it's 183 days it's insane but this whole pension thing is insane also so what I have to say about this is it's really ridiculous that we have a government is that's getting really really bad news Democrats are getting bad news in midterms. It's really bad, folks. And we're seeing our own eyes with the, these vaccines and people don't trust certain things anymore. What I have to say is you got to believe in God. got to believe in God. Got to. That's the only point that we can say. Read the Bible. Read the um, Quran. Read the uh, Sidor. English Sidor from article. Um, what else? Read anything. And believe in God right now. We need it. Because... It's it's really, really timely right now as we um, 
as we are in a epidemic. I would say worse than the epidemic. A pandemic or epidemic right now. I don't know what to call it, but I would call it a thing that is a terrible thing right now. Meanwhile, Moderna sues Pfizer. I see why. Firma giant 1.4 billion. What the flip? 10 or 104 billion dollars. Uh, COVID vaccine war. Moderna sues Pfizer and BioNTech. Between two worlds. Biggest COVID vaccine providers with the Moderna soon major competitors um, for copyright infringement, claiming it copied technology that firm pioneered. Moderna and Pfizer BioNTech COVID vaccines are both mRNA shots, a little used technology before its introduction to the mainstream during the pandemic. Moderna alleges. Competing firms copied the technology it had uh, painted between 2010 and 2016. So it's just basically, I am, I want to get missed. I want to, uh, it's basically saying, I want the big beat. I want to have the big guns. That's what they're saying. Basically, that's what they're saying. They want to get the big guns and that's it. They don't want anything else. And that's it. So that's the whole thing. It's not it's not like they're gonna get the big guns and we're gonna um, abolish them. They wanna abolish that. Exactly. So next. Uh, meanwhile, Trump's broken down political hack McConnell. Trump hates McConnell. And I also do. Everyone is not a fan of Mitch McConnell. He, at the Republican Party, we hate Mitch McConnell. Because he doesn't do anything. He's an 82, he, he's 82, grumpy old man. This takes money from, China, from, from the U.S. and gives it to China. Exactly. Using our money to give to China is not fun. When we need money. And I'll speak about the money in a moment. Um, our, our, um, our, our freaking country is in a desperate need for, um, need for stuff. Next. In Yankee Stadium. Uh, at the subway series this past week. Um, there was a flag that said, oust AOC. Um, I can't read the other part. I'm not sure. Tia Forti for, co- for Congress or something, something for that. Um, can't read the other part. Something Congress. It said, it said Tina Forte or something. For Congress. Representative China for Congress. 
40 or something. I, I can't read it, but I'm so happy that these people are waking up and going to baseball games. And possibly getting kicked out, but still. You're being on honest. About it. You're being honest about it. And saying, hey, I had enough of these people. And it's right. We have a we have a right to speak up and say it's time to get rid of these nasty um people. And it's right. Next. There's still some truth to the um, Marlago raid. Uh, we still have a lot to cover. Um, the just so it's not really clear exactly what is up in with this whole situation. I did not read this whole document. This document is thirty-eight freaking pages. Do you think I'm going to read 38 freaking pages? No. If someone breaks it down in a video, I will um, understand it. But I'm going to um, um, I will talk about it in the next podcast. We'll see if we have that more. Um, but the mainstream media is blame, now blaming Trump for the COVID vaccine. Hmm. Uh, the mainstream media, which previously hailed the vaccine as the answer to the entire pandemic, is now backtracked to the previous left-leaning news outlets. Politico and Yahoo News have declared that Trump allegedly pressed on the FDA press emergency bill uh, used the COVID for the use for the COVID vaccine. Hang on. If we don't have the vaccine right now, the left would shut us down. We would not be in schools. We would not be in in having our supermarket open. You're freaking lucky that we have a vaccine. And you're causing a war against you're you're complaining that we don't have we don't we have a vaccine from Donald Trump? God almighty, help us. What's the next thing you're going to complain about? Oh my gosh. Leave. Please. It's ridiculous that they have to complain about this um, nonsense about the, um, about the uh, stuff. This kind of stuff. Alright. Um, Pfizer COVID bill uh, pill. Paxlovid appears to be provided, provided little or no benefit for younger adults as 
ages 40 to 65 while reducing the risk of hospitalization. High-risk seniors, according to large Israeli study published this week, the Biden administration has spent $10 billion to purchasing the drug, making it, my God, My God. All right. Um, next. It's a Friday, so we're going to do quick podcasts. So bear with us as we um, go together. Um, <laughs> here we go. The body of that um, person. Rebuild your gums and teeth by letting this soft mineral. Of Kylie Rodney. Breaking news is out of Truckee tonight, where a body and a car were found today, near where 16 year old Kylie Rodney went missing. A volunteer search and recovery dive team called Adventures with Purpose joined the search for the teen this weekend. They say they found a body and car at Prosser Lake. KCRA3's Orko Mana just got to the scene there. So, Orko, what do we know so far and what have you seen? Well, Brittany, we're standing right outside the Prosser family campground, which again is near the water. And you taking a look behind me, this is as close as we can get. Law enforcement have blocked off the access road heading toward the campground and toward the water. This is a CHP car, and you can also see cones on the ground. The search and specialty dive team called Adventures with Purpose, as you mentioned, confirmed with KCRA3 that a body and a car have been found at the Prosser Creek Reservoir. We actually, just minutes ago, saw a vehicle that had the Adventures with Purpose logo on it heading up through this access trail and heading out. Again, we're not sure what that vehicle was. It might potentially be a vehicle with some equipment in it. Again, they... So they found Kylie Rodney. Um, Adventures with Purpose, a YouTube channel who goes out for free and searches for cars, searches for and rescue, search and rescue, basically, um, our condolences to the Rodney family. It's uh, very difficult um, at this point to uh, do it, um, to say, basically, um, it's very difficult. Yes, it's very difficult when when talking to families about it, um, certain stuff. Next, um, hang on. Trying to get these. All right, here we go. Um, here we go. Truly, truly shocking. Welcome, dear friends, to the Gorka Reality Check. Never before in the history of the United States, in the history of our republic, has a former president's private residence been raided by armed federal officers. That is exactly what happened at Mar-a-Lago just a few days ago. Not only was this man in the Oval Office as the chief executive less than 24 months ago, 
since he only served one term, and he is, as far as I'm concerned, on the cusp of announcing his candidacy, he will be the number one candidate running against the current incumbent. So, yeah, that's Sebastian Gorka. All right, next. It was a press conference fit for a banana republic. Four minutes long, no questions taken, and no justification for the unprecedented raid, the what I call state-sanctioned burglary of a president's private residence. And then... Hang on, just give us a minute. The lawyers go on to say President Donald Trump is the clear front runner in the 2024 Republican presidential primary and in the 2024 general election should he decide to run. And just as we were getting to air, former President Trump releasing a statement saying in part, quote, this Mar-a-Lago break-in search and seizure was illegal and unconstitutional and we are taking all actions necessary to get the documents back which we would have given to them without the necessity of the despicable raid of my home so that I can give them to the National Archives until they are required for the future Donald J. Trump Presidential Library and Museum. Much more on this and Trump court action and the latest in the FBI's raid of Donald Trump's home coming up. Yes, it's insane that the FBI steals confidential information he wanted, and he said this this information will be public after 2024 after 2024 once he's president all right next another person that i love is he just put out a uh, great um ad the day of his day of his opponent's election. Listen to this. Ron DeSantis. Called TopGov. TopGov. If you didn't um, watch TopGun, go ahead and watch it. And then you can see this ad. It's amazing. And I love it. It's funny. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is your governor speaking. Today's training evolution, dogfighting, taking on the corporate media. The rules of engagement are as follows. Number one. Don't fire unless fired upon, but when they fire, you fire back with overwhelming force. Does it say that in the bill? I'm asking, I'm asking you to tell me what's in the bill. Number two, never ever back down from a fight. If I could complete the question, though. So you're going to give a speech or ask a question? Number three, don't accept their narrative. It's wrong. It's a fake narrative. I just disabused you of the narrative, and you don't care about the facts. It's why people don't trust people like you, because you peddle false narratives. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Let's turn up I love it. Top Gov. And he is the Top Gov. And it's funny. All right. Next. Joining us with reaction, Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana. Senator, first there was no mask. Uh, mask isn't going to work. Then it was one mask, then two masks, and maybe masks in perpetuity. Then he told us that if we got the vaccine, we would never contract COVID. Well, now people that have the vaccine, they have two shots, and they have two boosters, and they have previous infections. 
Well, now they're getting COVID a second time, so they were wrong on the science. But the worst part to me is the lie, and that is, don't we now know for a fact that NIH money, taxpayer dollars, went to fund this Wuhan virology lab, and they, they knew gain-of-function research and coronavirus research took place at that facility. Two points, Sean. Um, number one, as I think I have told you before, I don't hate anyone, and that includes Dr. Fauci. He has decided to retire in December, and I wish him well. However, and this is my second point. Unless you do your research on Twitter, you know that the American people have many, many questions about how Dr. Fauci, other public health officials, and our government handle the pandemic. And getting answers to those questions from Dr. Fauci and others has been like trying to slam a revolving door. Now, the Democrats are in charge. They refuse to press, but the Republicans will. So here's my prediction. If Republicans take back one or both houses of Congress, and unless Dr. Fauci, retirement or not, decides to seek asylum in some, um, some remote, obscure foreign country, Maybe Wuhan, China will take them. Well, unless Dr. Fauci decides to seek asylum in some foreign country whose Powerball jackpot is 287 chickens and a goat, and therefore which won't enforce a subpoena from the United States Congress, then Dr. Fauci, retirement or not, is going to be spending a lot of time in front of a, a congressional committee and committees if Republicans take back control. We're going to ask him questions about gain-of-function research, why he didn't push back on China's lies, uh, why he pushed back so hard on the possibility, which we know is now real. Amazing. All right. Yes, Dr. Fauci is retiring, which is amazing. Um, we have him saying it. Where is that? Um, and it's been way too long for him um, to be in the uh, doctor. And I have to Here we ask go. You, uh, does that reflect, at least in part, your conclusion that this COVID problem is not going to be over the next six to 12 months? Because it strikes to me, at least, that if you thought it was going to be done in six months, 12 months, you'd stick around to the victory lap. Well, you know, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't necessarily yeah. say a victory lap, victory lap. I was thinking, considering, you know, vaguely, but sometimes specifically about stepping down at the end of the Trump administration in order, as since I say, and I'll say it again, since I'm healthy and I'm energetic and I'm still passionate. And about you're getting the millions, millions of dollars. The He's getting the top money. That more than the president of the current president of the United States. This guy. One of the first things he did was to ask me to be his chief medical advisor, and I gladly was honored and said, yes, of course I would. I thought I would be doing that for a year, because as you said, David, I thought after yet again another year, we would have COVID behind us. But as it turns out, 
do things, be they lecture or write, or get involved in situations where I can serve as hope and inspiration to encourage young people to go into public service, particularly in the arena of science, medicine, and public health. I was thinking of doing that right after the Trump administration ended, but when President Biden was elected, he... He um, basically says the same thing when he gets interviewed. Yes, blame Donald Trump, basically. I would like to say... Yes, we're going to play that one on a day that he leaves, and it's going to be great. Can we get a beer for that um, uh, on the day that he leaves? Put it on the calendar. Everyone put it on your calendar. Celebration of Dr. Fauci leaving, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be amazing. Man, it's going to be amazing. You know what's amazing? This one. Someone needs to grab that little elf and chuck him across the He says he's sick and tired of that elf and chuck him. <laughs> That's Ron DeSantis. Oh, man. That's great. Charlie Crist has a meltdown over Ron DeSantis. Those who support the governor should stay with him and vote for him, and I don't want your vote. If you have that hate in your heart, keep it there. I want the vote of the people of Florida who care about our state. Good Democrats, good independents, good Republicans. Unify with this ticket. So what do you, so what do you call good Democrats and good Republicans and good independents? That's my question. That's my question. What do you call it? Well, extremeness. That's what I would call that. Meanwhile, um, continuing on with this DeSantis movement. All right. Shall we bring in Florida Governor Ron DeSantis? Good morning, Governor. Good morning. Great to see you. Governor, are you more confident uh, this time around than last time around when you were uh, vying for the nomination, had to come from behind to do it, and then eventually uh, would win the governorship? Can you describe your mindset today as opposed to four years ago? Well, today is great because I'm unopposed, so I don't have a primary. (laughs) Obviously, I did have one four years ago. We knew we were in very good shape. Four years ago, I remember Fox did a debate, and uh, you know, so we had worked very hard. Uh, the general election four years ago was a blue wave year. I was an unknown candidate, and it was and it was a tough race. Um, I think this time, I think we have the wind at our back, and I have I'm running on a record of accomplishment. I mean, if you think about what we've been able to do over the last four years in the state of Florida, uh, we have been the focal point of freedom in this country. We have people that want to visit here, people that have moved here. We have a lower unemployment rate now than we did prior to COVID, which no one thought would have been possible. Uh, you continue to see us adding jobs in spite of all the headwinds from the Biden economy. And we ended the fiscal year with a $22 billion surplus, by far a record. And that none of that would have happened. Uh, if I had done what the 
people on the Democrat side wanted to do. Uh, they attacked me for every decision I made, keeping the state open, keeping businesses afloat, protecting people's rights, making sure kids could be in school in person, making sure people didn't lose their jobs based on a shot mandate. And so had they had their way, Florida would not be flying high. Florida would be in the doldrums. And so this is, these are important races, important election, uh, and we're going to really, really work hard over the next 80 days. Okay, so you are running unopposed. On the Democrat side, uh, you've got, they've got uh, four contenders. Charlie Crist, who you've got something in common with, uh, you're a Republican governor. He was a Republican governor <laughs> once upon a time in Florida. You've got uh, Candace uh, Daniel, you've got Robert Willis, and you've got Nikki Freed, who, listen to this, Governor, in this soundbite, I don't think she likes you. We're going to talk about democracy and freedom. Because as our governor continues to talk about freedom, he's taking away a woman's right to choose. He's taking away freedom of speech. He's talking, taking away our opportunities to teach in our classrooms. That is not freedom. That's oppression. And I know that we are going to see in November, we're going to see the tyranny and the tyrant of Ron DeSantis. <laughs> oh, man. Nikki Freed, you lost your chance to be a uh, governor. No oh, man. Good luck. That's what I would say. Next. News when I'm from on Israel. tour, I find myself... News from Israel, here we go. Um, condolences to Rabbi Shalom Kohn. Chum Shalom Kohn passed away. Uh, For the funeral procession of Rabbi Shalom Kohn, famed rabbi and religious leader to the Haredi political party, Shas, passing overnight at age 91. Joining me with more is foreign affairs correspondent from the Chadre Haredim website, Yanki Farber. Yanki, it's great to have you. Thank you so much. Now, tell us a little bit about the late rabbi and his legacy, not only for Shas, but for Israel at large. Yeah, well, uh, he was the 91, and, you know, and the Orthodox community... You know, elder you are, you know, more older you are, then you have much more respect. And he replaced the previous rabbi, Rabbi Yovali, in 2013. He wasn't that popular like Rabbi Yosef. Rabbi Yosef was popular to everyone. You know, everybody in Israel knew about him. He was involved in politics. He was involved in leading. He was involved in um, everything. Um, this rabbi, Cohen, was more into studying Torah um, he cared less about politics. He only he was only involved in when he was you know when he was actually forced to be involved because he always said I want to study Torah. I'm not really into politics, but he understood that he need that you know the Sephardi community needs a leader. Um, what's cool, you know, when Rabbi? I actually I believe I met him once, or I don't know if I met him, but the Sephardi community. Uh, says a, um, as we lost a big, big giant in the Sephardi community. Next. Long time ago. Well, not really. In a galaxy not so far away. NASA's James Webb Telescope is helping scientists unfold the mysteries of our universe. 
The world's newest and biggest space telescope is showing Jupiter as never before, capturing unprecedented views of the planet's northern and southern lights. The James Webb Telescope uses three different infrared filters to show hidden details of the planet. With JWST, it's not looking in visible light, like the kind of light that we're using right now to see. Uh, JWST is looking in infrared light, which is like heat light. And so JWST can actually look into and behind and through all the dust that's in our galaxy and in our universe. In these fresh, breathtaking photos, auroras can be seen swirling around the planet's north and south poles, while Jupiter's moons and its surrounding rings stand out against the glittering background of further galaxies. Jupiter's great red spot, a storm bigger than the Earth, appears white as it reflects light from the sun. When you zoom in on these images on your phone or on your computer, you can keep zooming in and keep zooming in because there's so much detail in there. You know, you take a one-inch square of that image and you count all the dots that aren't stars in there. Those are all galaxies. Released on Monday, Webb's images come just one week before the launch of Artemis 1, another major space exploration that hopefully will shed some light on the dark side of the moon. next month to meet with Chancellor Olaf Scholz to discuss Berlin's request to buy the Arrow 3 anti-missile system, its parent company Unilever, from allowing its ice cream to be sold in the West Bank, which Ben and Jerry says undermines its values. District Judge Andrew Carter in Manhattan saying Ben and Jerry's did not deserve an injunction to halt ice cream sales and marketing because it did not show it would suffer irreparable harm or that customers would be confused. Ben and Jerry sued Unilever last month saying the sale of its Israeli business to local licensee Avi Zinger violated the agreement in which Unilever bought the Burlington Vermont-based company back in 2000. So for more on the latest developments, we bring in our senior U.S. correspondent, Mike Wagenheim. He joins us from New York. So, Mike, it's a setback for Ben & Jerry's, this American judge rejecting their efforts to stop its parent company from allowing this ice cream to be sold in the West Bank, saying there is no evidence of confusion. But this protracted legal fight may have left some people confused. So talk us through the judge's ruling. It's not even a matter of allowing Unilever at this point to sell the ice cream because it's not at their point their ice cream to sell. The, the license to sell and manufacture the ice cream has already been sold to Avi Zinger, who operates uh, for Israel on behalf of Ben & Jerry's in uh, Israel itself and also in Judea and Samaria, the so-called West Bank. So there, there's nothing to stop at this point, and that's one of the, the uh, points that the judge made in this case. It's, all, it's a done deal already. You can't go back in time and reverse the sale at this point. There's a third party involved. It's no longer just Unilever and Ben & Jerry's, the, the Burlington-based operation. Secondly, he said you can't prove there's any irreparable harm. There's nobody screaming from the rafter, uh, rafters rather, around the world, hey, this is doing me personal harm here because Ben & Jerry's is being sold. It's nothing like that. There's no movement like that happening. And thirdly, the judge also noted that the Ben & Jerry's products that are to be sold in Israel and in Judea and Samaria are going to be labeled not in English, but in Arabic and Hebrew. In Ben & Jerry's, yes, but in Arabic and Hebrew, distinguishing them in another way, to add to, add, add to the other ways, from uh, the, um, the American operation. So when you put it all together at this point, 
the judge said, there's nothing I can do for you. It's a done deal. Basically, move on. Now, Ben and Jerry's can appeal the ruling. It was only a district court ruling. They can appeal it to the appeals court, the federal appeals court. They can go all, all the way up to the Supreme Court if they so choose, based on where the Supreme Court is in America at this day and time. I don't suspect they're going to get any sympathy at the highest level. Any official reaction? I know this is just transpiring from the company about this latest development. There's been no reaction so far from Ben and Jerry's. They're uh, currently, I would imagine, their lawyers are perusing over the ruling here, uh, trying to put together an appeal. There's been no comment yet from Unilever on the matter either. Meanwhile, uh, you know, we, we've spoken on air several times with Avi Zinger, now the, uh, the the license holder and the operator of Ben and Jerry's in Israel and in the uh, in Judea and Samaria. He he's moving forward at this point. He said it's full go ahead, uh, no turning back. He's gotten his operations back up full blast after some consternation about whether he'd actually have the license to continue to operate. The whole point behind this is that you know Ben and Jerry's originally, when they made the deal with Unilever, they retained control of the social mission, which they said allowed them to dictate where their ice cream would be marketed. Makes sense to a certain extent, although it's a very unique deal. What Unilever is saying is that after losing millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in investments because of the BDS practices that Ben and Jerry's was employing, Unilever said, hey, this is no longer a social issue, it's an economic issue, and that is Unilever are a purview and therefore we are now selling this property from an economic standpoint the social stuff good luck with that ben and jerry's but you can't make us bankrupt in the process and i think the judge pretty much agreed with that sentiment amazing amazing i love it i like the um i like ben and jerry's i'm glad that we came to a conclusion um listen it's amazing how they did it. Next, um, all right, uh, where we're going next? Um, this one, yes. At the end of the day, we are not going to let this state be overrun by woke ideology. We will fight the woke in the businesses. We will fight the woke in government agencies. We will fight the woke. In our schools, we will never, ever surrender to the woke agenda. Florida is the state where woke goes to die. Next, um, that was Ron DeSantis. And remember, we played you the Charlie Crist blasting um, the voters? Well, this... Happened. When Youngkin became governor of Virginia last fall, no one thought he would. He beat a former governor, very well funded. Why? Well, the main reason was parents in Virginia, like parents everywhere, don't actually want teachers indoctrinating their kids with their weird political views because it's creepy as hell and not what school is for. Well, voters in Florida sent the same message. Last night in Florida, Republicans slipped five majority left school districts in big counties, Miami-Dade, Sarasota, Duval, Martin, Clay, Miami-Dade alone has more than 300,000 students. It's one of the biggest school districts in the country. How this happened, what does it mean? Ron DeSantis runs Florida. He's the governor. He joins us tonight. Governor, thanks so much for coming on. This seems like a big story. How this happened and what does it mean? Well, we made a concerted effort on these races, Tucker, for precisely the reasons you said. Parents are seeing what's going on now more than ever. So there was a lot of energy, uh, and that's important to harness, but it's also important to educate other Republican voters 
who may be your grandparents now, or maybe they don't have kids in the house anymore. But I think all really understand that we got to get this education stuff right. Uh, so we worked hard in 30 different races. Uh, we ended up winning 25 of the races that I was involved in. And as you said, some of that were sweeps to where you have school boards that were majority left, now majority right. Part of the problem that we saw with this is you would have red counties, but because the, the school board races under our Constitution are nonpartisan, the union would back a leftist, fund the leftist, and you'd have a left-wing school board representing a conservative county. So we have fixed that in many of these places to where these school boards are now going to be representative of the values of the people that live there. Yeah, and people weren't paying attention. I mean, did you have trouble convincing people that this was worth getting involved in? I think uh, a little bit, but what we did, we had no other races on the Republican side. There was no governor, primary, Senate, attorney general. This was really it. We had a handful of legislative races, uh, but this is what we told voters were important. And I do think that it, it, that it impacted it. I think our turnout overall would have been less had there not been uh, this effort with the school board. And I think more and more are getting the, the picture that this is important. But I do think as successful as it was, this is just step one. We're going to institutionalize this going forward uh, so that we have good candidates running in these school board races as a matter of course. And so this is part of how we're educating voters uh, to make sure that we have people on those school, school boards who want to educate kids, not indoctrinate kids, and that are going to be reflective of the values of the communities that they serve. So I want to ask you quickly about your race. We learned the other day on last Tuesday that Charlie Crist, who beat the zany weed lady who's running against, is going to be your opponent. And Crist, a former Republican, came out today with a message to your supporters, which I want our viewers to see. Here it is. Those who support the governor should stay with him and vote for him, and I don't want your vote. If you have that hate in your heart, keep it there. I want the vote of the people of Florida who care about our state. <laughs> he doesn't want your vote. You're morally beneath him. I've never seen a politician say that. This is his fifth decade running for office. He's a chameleon, typical career politician. But you know, Tucker, people support me because I kept the state open and protected their jobs. Charlie Crist wanted it locked down. So that's not hate in their heart. They're just appreciative that they had a governor who was standing up for them. Parents around the state support me uh, because we made sure schools were open and we're working to make sure they get education, not indoctrination. That's not hate in their heart. They're just appreciative that they have a governor that's fighting for them. It's, it's kind of uh, It's very unfair, you know, to have a truck driver. Uh, it's very unfair, you know, to have a truck driver have to pay back a loan for somebody that got like a Ph.D. in gender studies. That's not fair. That's not right. And so um, and then you also just have the fact, like, if you're going to talk about debt, then you should look at, OK, who has benefited the most from all this exorbitant debt that's been taken out over the last generation? It's the universities. They have bloated administrative budgets. They have all this, although in Florida, since I've been governor, no tuition increases at our state universities. We haven't allowed that. Amazing. All right. Next. Our approach is why America's economic recovery, economic recovery was fast. All right.
$300 billion for give student loan up to $10,000 with incomes of $125,000 per year or less extends federal loan payment pause. And stronger than any other advanced nation in the world. President Biden claiming the economy is great despite a 40-year high of inflation. Um, yeah. So. It's a beer. Listen to him speak. Listen to him speak. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's give us a minute. voted to save our democracy. That's why Donald Trump isn't just a former president. He is a defeated former president. Angry. Angry. Americans are going to have to choose. You must choose. Will we, will, we, will we be a country that moves forward or backward? We're back. Meanwhile, Emerson College released some new national polling just moments ago in a potential 2024 rematch. With just over two months to go before the midterm elections, President Biden had a, a new attack on Republicans. Former President Obama is helping to fundraise for some of the people who work inside that building. Senate Democrats, Axios reports, Obama and Senator Gary Peters, who's chair of the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, will meet for a conversation in New York City early next month. General admission starts at $25,000. All right, back to what I was saying. The... Um, spending bill, the student bill, is not what you guys think. It's taking money from us and then giving us, like, maybe $1,000 at least. Well, um, it's not, it's not right. It's not right, folks. And it's terrible. It is terrible. It is terrible, folks. And it's, it's not right. Here we go. Talk about energy a little bit more. I've heard. Um, all right. Next. And but it and they continue talking about um, talking about the economy, blaming Trump and um, saying that the student debt is fine. We will go for it. But. No, and they're say, and they say also that the um that the with the whole FBI situation, Republicans are insanely um insane about the FBI defunding, calling for defunding FBI. Like I was watching CNN the other day, MSNBS, um, and also. CB, CN, CBS, um, and I was, they were saying, like, CNS, as I call it, CNN, CN, C, CNS, um, Clinton News Bleep, yes, that's what I call it, um, but I was watching them, and they were saying, 
They're saying the FBI is fine. It's we believe that the FBI is a federal law. And I was say and they said it right. And I was like, no, the FBI messed up. We have to um reorganize the FBI and say, well, we needed to we need to do it. And look what they they did with their police. Exactly. The police department out there, like New York City, Patterson, um, Newark, uh, where else? Camden, uh, Cape May, where else there is? Uh, Chicago, L.A., all sorts of areas is terrible now because of these left-wing Democrats. Well, now we know it, and we then they learned it, for sure. Defund the FBI, please go ahead and do it. This week was the uh, debate on Newsmax with um, the U.S. Senate um, Congress, uh, U.S. Senate race in New Hampshire, um, with John Botchman. Please play some of the uh, recording. Heard some discussion about home heating oil. Uh, this question will be for General Bulldog and then Mr. Smith. Uh, the question is inflation and the Inflation Reduction Act passed a few weeks ago. It contains subsidies for green energy. Do we or do you think that green energy is the answer to America's energy problems? And if not, what do you think is the answer, General? Well, first of all, I don't think that was the name of the bill. I think it was the IRS expansion bill. That's what I think it is. And another tax bill. And that's the problem we have out of control spending. We have career politicians down there that are focused on special interest lobbyists and wealthy political elite. Listen, green energy, renewables, that's good stuff. But we need This guy is smart. He's smart and he likes to rip people apart. We need our fossil fuel I like in order that. to have green energy. We cannot divest ourselves from fossil fuel. It is the bread and butter, the heart and soul of our energy independence, and if we don't have it, we're going to be energy independent, and look what it's done to us. It's made us weak. We are weak. China, Russia, North Korea, Iran are now having their way with us. Our our homeland is weak. We All right, welcome back to the Coons Theater here on the campus of St. Anson College in Manchester, New Hampshire. I'm John Bachman, and we have the top four candidates running for the U.S. Senate in this state's upcoming primary. Gentlemen, let's get back to it. We'll stay on the topic of China. Now, this question is for all of you. Uh, we're talking about Speaker Pelosi's trip. It already aggravated a very tense situation between the U.S. and China. Do you think China is America's enemy? And what policies would you propose in the U.S. Senate to deal with China? And we'll start with Mr. Fenton. Well, they're certainly our ideological enemy. I don't want to have enemies. I'd like to have more peace, and I'd like to mind our own business and not interfere with other countries and what they're doing around the world. But to be clear, absolutely, China has a very different ideology than ours. And we as Americans should recognize that, and we should be thinking about what makes our country special and what makes our country great. And in my opinion, that's... New Hampshire is a great state. I love New Hampshire. And... Last time I went to New Hampshire was during COVID, and um, not a single freaking mask was asked when I went. I don't. I when I come to Vermont area, I'm like, 
Vermont needs a Republican. They need it. Come on, Vermont. All right, next. Let's go to Ukraine. As Ukraine continues to rely on help from the West, especially from the United States, six months into the Russian invasion. National correspondent Logan Raddick live at the Pentagon now, joining us here with a look they at where spend, the war stands. The U.S. Uh, spends another $3 billion. More billions. All right, next. All right, let's go to the White House, listen to the president. What, what does that matter? I mean, you can still get fired if you're a college man. Said, yeah, but- yeah, all right. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Continue spend on our our money. Yes. Next. First, the first one of these in a long, long time. White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre was back at it finally yesterday. She was asked who's going to pay for President Biden's student loan bailout. A very simple question, especially when you're talking about $300 billion. That's today's Pierre Pivot. What we are saying is the the work that this administration has done, the work that the Democrats in Congress has done, is actually there. And you see that the 1.7 trillion uh, deficit in deficit. Uh, the White House does not know anything, anything, anything about this. Um, no one knows anything about it. Not a word. No one knows anything about this whole thing, situation, and I'm telling you, it's ridiculous and just another bill to spend extra money on the United States, and it's ridiculous. All right, next. Some breaking news today. Republican firebrand Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene has been the subject of a shocking political attack late last night at her Georgia home. Greene was swatted. She tweeted this. Last night I was swatted just after 1 a.m. I can't express enough gratitude to my local law enforcement here in Rome Floyd County. More details to come. Yeah, and, and now swatting, commonly defined as the action or practice of making a prank call to emergency services in an attempt to bring about the dispatch of a large number of armed police officers to a particular address. Now, according to the Rome Police Department report, officers responded to a 911 call at 1.03 a.m., which initially led them to believe that a man had been shot multiple times in a bathtub at Green's home. But when officers arrived, of course, there wasn't an incident like that at all. Yeah, and after officers cleared the scene, the department received a call from the actual suspect who claimed responsibility for the false shooting call and explained their motives, uh, reportedly upset over Green's stance on trans rights. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene is now here with us to... Explain exactly what happened last night. Congresswoman, welcome. Uh, The lead-in here has to be um, about last night, dot, dot, dot. We kind of set up the story of what happened, uh, but you experienced it, literally uh, a likely rude awakening at 1 a.m. Tell us about it. Yeah, very serious and scary awakening. I have to tell you that. And and I'm so thankful to the police here in, in Rome. They were incredible. They were professional. They did their jobs very well. So I, I was awakened by hearing the doorbell. and <laughs> Knocks at the door and hearing people outside my bedroom windows. Um, I saw a few lights outside, but they weren't police lights, just a few lights. And I was very concerned uh, not knowing who was outside my home. 
jumped out of the bed, got, got dressed, and I went to pick up my gun uh, simply because I was really afraid of who might be at the door, um, obviously in the middle of the night, not expecting anyone. But I just had a gut feeling to leave the gun where it is and not carry it with me. And that's not normal for me. I, I would I, I normally would take it with me to the door at all times, especially in that kind of situation. Uh, but I'm very, very glad I did not carry my gun to the front door because when I came around the uh, into the foyer where I've got windows, I saw many police outside on my front porch and it was a serious situation. Um, opened the door and spoke with them and they were they were asking me if everything was okay and told me what the 911 call was all about. I was shocked. Absolutely. It's insane what people do. It's insane. All right. Yes, next. Next. Back, everybody. You know, life now has a chance in Texas. As of today, most slaughtering of children in the womb is illegal thanks to our state's trigger law. Only threats to bodily harm, like from criminal activity or life of the mother, qualify for legal abortions in Texas. That's not all. Yesterday, a federal court ruled in favor of our Attorney General Ken Paxton blocking Biden's HHS from forcing Texas hospitals to perform the grotesque abortion on demand procedure. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton joining me right now. Sir, it's great to see you as always. It's great news. All right, next. All right, welcome back to Rob Schmidt tonight. The uh, Jared Kushner joined, joined Rob Schmidt. Um, if you want to hear him, go to Newsmax and listen to it. All right. Mark Zuckerberg uh, joined Joe Rogan. Listen to this one. The Joe Rogan experience. When we take down something that that we're not supposed to, I mean that that is like, I, I mean that's the worst. I mean how that's do you like discern, like how like say like these Christian Facebook pages. I, I don't know how they found out that nineteen of twenty were fake. But if someone just says, I am Bob Smith, and they post as Bob Smith, and they have a photograph, and they, but really what they're doing is trying to uh, talk shit about Joe Biden and get people to vote Republican in the midterms. Like, how, what, how do you know whether someone's real or not? Like, this is the big argument with Elon and Twitter. Because Elon asked Twitter, like, what percentage of your yeah. website is filled with bots? And they say 5%. And he says, I don't believe you. I think it's higher. And let's find out how you've come to this conclusion. Yeah. And, you know, they're, uh, I believe they said that they just took a hundred random Twitter pages and looked at the interaction and there's some sort of yeah. an algorithm they applied to it. But how do you discern? Yeah. So, I mean, I think estimating the overall prevalence is, is one thing. But I think that the question of you know, looking at a page and is this page authentic, I think that there's a bunch of signals around that. One of the things that we try to do is for large pages we try to make sure that we know who the admin of that page is. We don't necessarily, if you should be able to run an anonymous page. You don't necessarily need to out yourself and say who you are running it. But we want to make sure that we sort of have like an identity for that. Basically, he's saying we want power. We want to own you. We want to make sure we run you. That person on file. So that way we know, like at least behind the scenes, that that person is real. Um, for certain. All right, enough. Next. Yeah. Thank you. I have. Not, not that, uh, 
לתשומת לבכם במסיבת העיתונאים הזאת, להתפתחות של, לדעתי, risking our security. I am referring to the bad agreement with Iran. Why bad? Because a- The Iran deal. President Biden and Yair Lapid. This Iran deal is terrible. It's a terrible deal. And Netanyahu, um, former Prime Minister Netanyahu, uh, Spoke this week on I-24 News. If you want to watch it, you could go watch it. It's a scary, scary situation. And I am telling you, it's scary. Worse than the Taliban. They can set off rockets to us or the um, to anywhere. Any moment. They could set off anything. Any moment. And it's not fun at all. Alright, next. Um, we found a uh, video about that affidavit thing with um, Alan Dershowitz. But next, New Jersey news. No activities ride. We're a family resort. We have boulevard activities, boardwalk activities, casino activities, rides, eateries. So we draw on a, a great population. Some of the qualities Seaside Heights Mayor Tony Vaz says makes the town so special, but growing... Comp- um, many people are sick and tired of people smoking marijuana in public. Yes, I had enough of it. I can't stand that smell of marijuana. How about some clean, clean air for once? I don't want to he- even see... I don't want to smell this stupid, um, this stupid smell. It's really stupid. Next. All right. Victoria. So woke and so freaking left. At 14, 15, they were making decisions to go and get that apprenticeship, to start a trade, and many of them could buy and sell those that were forced to stay to the, or decided to stay to the end of year 12. And I'm not against people going to universities, but most people don't. Most people don't complete the university course. Kids are going crazy. They've published a, a list in Queensland uh, this week of schools where kids are, are causing all sorts of trouble. Yes, be it drugs or fights and whatever else, the police are being called. You've got... Uh, a student on the Sunshine Coast who, at 14, was uh, put in some sort of suspension because he snuck behind the bushes during a football match to relieve himself, have a pee, if you like. Uh, and I don't know whether there's a further story to that. And then you've got teachers, Sophie, that are being bullied because they chose not to have the COVID vaccine. Yeah, it's ridiculous. All right, next. The only interaction and how it was costing the country, as by some estimates, tens of billions of dollars. That's based on the federal student debt for college graduates earning, earning under, I should say, $125,000 a year. News 12. It's ridiculous, and I am telling you, it's ridiculous. Next. Ashley Biden's diary, and they tried to sell it. 
According to the Department of Justice, Amy Harris and Robert Kurlander pled guilty today to, quote, conspiracy to commit interstate transportation of stolen property. That has to be the least used federal statute on the books. But the diary was never stolen. Ashley Biden abandoned it. She left it under a mattress in a Florida halfway house where she was recovering from her sex and drug addiction. I have a legitimate question. Why don't the Biden kids ever clean up after themselves? Did they grow up with maids? Hunter is leaving his laptop at repair shops and his crack pipes and rental cars. Ashley's just ditching her diary around a bunch of drug addicts. Oh, yeah. All right. Ashley Biden is investigating. These people are being investigated. Meanwhile, Dershowitz with the... I'd also like to welcome in now Harvard Law um, Professor Emeritus and Newsmax contributor Alan... Alan Dershowitz with the... um, Probable cause for the uh, search. Dershowitz, Professor Dershowitz, great to have you back with us. Well, thanks. I agree with some of what was said by a previous uh, guest, but I disagree fundamentally with some of it. There's plenty of probable cause. Okay. Probable cause is the easiest standard to meet in the world. You can get probable cause against you and me. Uh, I, I don't know any magistrates who ever turned down. And the idea of trying to blame Judge Reinhardt for the ridiculous. Any judge, any judge, any would have found probable cause. The question is not whether there was probable cause. The question is, based on everything we now, should they have sought a warrant or should they have gone by subpoena? And I've seen nothing in what's been released so far which justifies going by warrant rather than subpoena. But there was probable cause. Was there sufficient specificity in the uh, search warrant? Uh, That's a good question. That's a hard question. But probable cause is a very easy standard to meet, and it was easily met by the affidavit in this case. Have you seen the affidavit? How much have you gotten through? Yeah. But even from what I've read, there's enough for probable cause. The fact that there are there were a hundred or so documents, some of them are classified, that's probable cause. And probable cause doesn't have to be today or yesterday. It can be based on material that was seized some time ago if there's evidence that nothing has changed. The real issue is what was the rush? Why did they have to get a search warrant? Why didn't they get the search warrant much earlier in time? And why didn't they execute the search warrant immediately after they got it? Those are really good questions, and they're not answered by the affidavit, at least what we've seen so far. Look, I predicted yesterday on television that the government would not seek a stay, that they would uh, show the redacted information, that the redacted information would be very positive to the government, the government would not redact material that uh, was negative to them or or, or positive to them or negative to Trump. I predicted that yesterday. We're seeing a selectively redacted affidavit. We'll only know that when we see the whole affidavit, which we will see over time. But right now, there are several conclusions. One, there was probable cause. Number two, I don't see the evidence of specificity that would justify if there was a search of the closet of Mrs. Trump's closet. I haven't seen enough to see whether there was a probable cause to search the safe. Those are good issues. But the fundamental issue, which is an answer here, is does this search warrant meet Attorney General Garland's own criteria? He said you don't execute a search warrant if you can get less intrusive means like a subpoena unless it's absolutely necessary. So far from what I've been read, I haven't seen the absolute necessity to get a search warrant. So basically two questions, why? And we got that answered in the terms of uh, probable cause, which you spoke about. And then why now 
why why at that moment had did, did Mar-a-Lago have to be raided? And we do not have an answer uh, to that. So, uh, Professor Dershowitz, they let, go ahead. Could have gotten a smart any time from February on. Yeah. So, well, we'll let you get back into reading it. Hopefully, we can check back in with you as we try to get through it ourselves and we learn more about this affidavit, which was just released a few moments ago. Always great to talk to you, Professor Dershowitz. David here, and you know, as we predicted, it's a lot of it looks like this. There's a lot of a lot of redacted information here, um, you know, and we're just going through it. At, at this, there's a lot of focus on some of these boxes. Uh, what I'm seeing here is a statement from President Trump that went out um, after the initial raid in February, um, but a lot of this seems to be based on, you know, whether or not the president had the prerogative to take some of these documents with him. You know, he is the former president. Aaron, you know, you're the lawyer here on this panel. I keep going back um, to what is a pretty well-established legal principle that the president of the United States can declassify anything he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. Uh, and so ultimately it's going to come down to the, if, if, you know, are they going to really um, hold him to that? And, I, you know, we, we, there's 38 pages here. A lot of it is redacted, but we got to go through it to find out what exactly is in it. We're doing that now. But uh, what do you think, Aaron? You know, I think this is mostly a fishing expedition and a plan that this isn't a legal analysis here. This is just a common sense one that what they are doing right now is weaponizing the FBI and the DOJ. And what they're absolutely trying to do is prohibit President Trump from running in 2024. But I always say, be careful what you wish for, because then I believe the governor DeSantis would step in. Not until then. That's the only way I believe he would step in. And then you're going to get people left, right, and center who like Governor DeSantis, and this is going to be an even bigger blowout. But all they're trying to do here is prohibit the president from running. But you know what? Donald Trump isn't a movement. He started a movement. The America First movement is here to stay. It has grown. We've seen candidates all over the country that share the values of pride in our country, hard work, putting each other first and just sort of respecting this country and pick yourself up by the bootstraps. So right now this looks like a tactic used in third world banana republic countries. And just like the left was very fired up about the overturning of Roe versus Wade, I think anyone left, right, or center, unless you have Trump derangement syndrome, you think this is absolutely crazy and un-American and it's going to push people to the polls and vote Republican. Yeah, I, would it, Matthew, whatever... They're, they're going after here. It has to be so cut and dried and so clear cut that it was a clear and present danger to the national security of the United States. I mean, it's got to be like, oh, here's an email that Donald Trump shared with President Xi about the specs for the F-35 fight. It's got to be something like that, I think, concrete for, for anyone to change their mind here. And the other question, too, that the, the FBI and the DOJ have got to get, get over to, you know, if they're going to if they're going to be seen as a, um, you know, an arbiter in this, a, a fair participant, is the lack of transparency and their seemingly uh, their unwillingness. All right, this whole thing is a political game. All right, next. Um, before we go, the student loan thing. I want to say it's a ridiculous thing. They they want to, you to believe it's a good thing. It's not. It's taking money from us, Americans. 
and blaming it on the rich and giving it to the poor. It's basically like a, um, what do you call game? Uh, Peter Pan back in the day. Um, next, but this whole game is a shenanigan, and I hate it, I want it to end, and it only happens, you know where, Moscow, Russia, Moscow High School is with that stupid game, and I believe that it only happens in Soviet unions, it's ridiculous. All right, people, um, as we close out our first year, um, this is our 70th episode with amazing news around the world, and we thank everyone um, for watching and listening uh, to our amazing political, political figures. And we thank our listeners and our, all the people that um, came on to our show. We will continue to season two in the next episode on the Ari Mac Networks. Um, and it will get better and better and better. We thank everyone for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed and saying so long from somewhere in Vermont. Um, and we say thank you to everyone who joined us on this journey. Say hello to season two. Have a wonderful weekend, and until then, we'll speak next week.